Good morning, church. It's a blessing to be here this morning to pause and to honor the Lord and to give him glory and praise. I'm going to start off with the obvious here. We've certainly, this Sunday is a lot different than last Sunday. We, we have an election result, and I know that there's some people who are very excited and some people who are very disappointed. And look, our role as a church doesn't change. Who we are as Christians doesn't change from one president to another. We still have a responsibility to follow Jesus and to be salt and light in the earth. And I just want to bring a little bit of perspective because I know, look, we we have an election result, but it's still a country that's very much divided. And unfortunately, what breaks my heart is to see Christians at each other's throats over politics. That That just isn't appropriate. And I want to just put something in perspective. This isn't my message, but I just want to give you some some perspective on this just really briefly. If you can recall the moment when Jesus' disciples, they were were arguing about who was going to sit on Jesus' right hand and left hand when he rules the world. They, They thought that he was going to establish his kingdom right then and there. And they were like, Jesus, when you when you become when you take over Rome, when you take over the world, I want to be over here on your right hand. I want my brother on my left hand. And the, some of the other disciples got word of that, and they got angry at those disciples for even posturing. And it was, it was this big debate. So essentially, they were arguing over politics. But look at Jesus' response. And I'm going to go to Mark 10, verse 42. It says, and Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. In other words, the Gentiles, they're just, they're grasping for power. They're just fighting it out and they're grasping for power. And Jesus is saying, look, if you want to be great, that's not how we do it in the kingdom, not in my kingdom. He says in verse 42, but it shall not so be it, it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Folks, you don't know why everybody voted the way they voted. You may think they do. You may think you know. Well, if you voted for this person, you must be this. And you voted for that person, you must be that. Let me tell you, human motivation is far more complex. Just because you voted for Biden doesn't mean you're not a committed Christian. And just because you voted for Trump doesn't mean you're racist. (laughs) Doesn't mean that, folks. There's a lot of complex motivations. But right now, after the election result, we should follow the words of Jesus and look at who we can serve. Look at who we can serve. It's almost Christmas season. If you have the means, you should consider adopting a family for Christmas. Put your energy into service. And Jesus says that's the way Christians should act. Instead of being at each other's throats over who's right and who's wrong about politics, let's find somebody we can serve and honor the Lord Jesus. Amen? That was for free. I'm going to get into my message here, but I just thought I would say that because we have the ability to set the tone as believers. All right. Okay. Praise God. The Lord is so good. I'm going to continue with part two 
of my message on healing. And I'm just going to say another word of prayer, actually, as I get into this part of it, because I, I really want the Holy Spirit to teach us this morning. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to stand before your people and to share your word. You're such a great teacher, Holy Spirit, and we're trusting you to feed us, to teach us today about what your word has to say about healing. Help us to receive what you're saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. So I'm going to pick up from from last week where I was talking about healing and a really important topic and been my intention to, 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 to address this topic for a long time. And actually, especially now that we're dealing with a pandemic, and some people may say, how you have the audacity to, to get on this topic even now. Yes, I do, because it is a, first of all, healing is something that is part of the ministry of Jesus, and we need to understand what that means and how we can access it. And as I communicate this, I'm in no way uh, trying to be insensitive to people who have had medical difficulties with corona and all those other kind of things, not dismissive of that at all, but just being faithful to the scripture and frankly faithful to to my upbringing. I I grew up in a context in which healings and testimonies of healings were commonplace. This was not an odd thing at all. And so I'm simply sharing with you what I see in the word, but also what I've grown up seeing and uh, to really have a balanced perspective. So let's get into this today. So last week, we began to lay a foundation for the idea that God heals people physically today. That God heals people physically today. I'm, I'm going to let, that, let that sink in a bit. Now, I have to because, I, again, I grew up in a context where that was just normal. But I recognize that for a lot of people, it isn't. And people ask questions, does God heal today? Was that just something that was done with the apostles? Was that just something that was done in Jesus' time? Is that actually something that is relevant today? I'm going to say that it is, but I'll talk more about that. This doctrine is something that has become popular over the last century among people who are part of the Word of Faith movement. We talked about that. And among other things, the Word of Faith movement places an emphasis on the extension of God's promises of material blessings from the biological children of Abraham to the spiritual children of Abraham. Those promises include, but are not limited to, healing, physical protection, provision and financial prosperity, and also favor. And if you've grown up in this context, you're familiar with these things. However, over the last few decades, word of faith doctrines, churches, and preachers have become incredibly sensationalized. Some preachers and churches have even become exploitive, substituting an emphasis on the purity of the gospel with a focus on material prosperity. There are any number of preachers who have benefited financially by this exploitation. As a result, some people who might have been open to prosperity to the prosperity message have become skeptical, and some who were skeptical have become harsh critics. And some of you may actually be in the viewing audience right now. They just say, preacher, what are you going to say that's different than what I've heard? I've seen some of those preachers. They're hyping things up. I don't trust them. I don't think that's in the Bible. I get it. Just stay with me as we talk about this subject, and there may be something here for you. Some have even gone so far as to say that people who preach this message are false prophets. Some might even call me a false prophet for even daring to preach this message. I understand this kind of thing has been out for years in terms of people's perspectives on this. 
However, I have grown up in a household and church community rooted in the word of faith doctrine with a lot of balanced people. There are, some, there are some nuts out there. There are some people who take this message and are really off base. They aren't grounded. They, 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 they are not grounded in rational things. But I grew up in a community that, of people who believe this doctrine, and they were regular folks. They were regular folks. They, they weren't doing crazy things. They loved Jesus, rooted in Scripture, and they weren't outrageous. As a result, I'm here to present a more balanced perspective on the prosperity doctrine, especially as it relates to healing. This is why my approach is, is to appeal to your intellect as much as it is to appeal to your spirit. Now, as I said last week, many of you will need some mental preparation before hearing a pointed message on divine healing. Now, why am I so committed to this? As I told you last week, some people have the impression that, hey, there are people who preach the prosperity message because they want to hype people up, because they want to fly their jets, and they want people to give them more money. I can tell you that's not my motivation. I drive a Honda. I think my, my Honda actually has a dent in it, all right? I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to get jet fuel through this message. I really want to help you. And let me tell you something. For some people, this message it's going to save your life. It's going to save your life. I know people, and in fact, I'm in the process of contacting people who have been healed supernaturally, and in those cases, their lives were saved because someone dared to believe God for supernatural healing. So, this lesson has two objectives, as I said last week. Number one, to demonstrate that developing faith for divine healing is biblical, practical, and beneficial. Number two, to foster reasonable expectations for divine intervention in the healing and recovery of your physical body. You hear that? Reasonable. Reasonable expectations. Reasonable expectations. I'm not asking you to throw away your medicine. <laughs> I'm not asking you to stop going to your doctor. I'm talking about a reasonable expectation for divine healing in your body. Now, last week, the first principle we established in our healing teaching was the idea of being holistic. Holistic. Very, very important concept for us to get in today, right? In a medical sense, holistic is characterized by the treatment of the whole person, taking into account mental and social factors rather than just the symptoms of a disease, right? So you may have heard this before. You go to a doctor. Some of you go to a doctor who deals with holistic medicine. So they're not just dealing with the symptoms, but they're, they're, you may be going in thinking about one body part, but they're saying, but let me look at this other body part to see if it's affecting this. They may be looking at how you eat or the stresses in your life or all of the kinds of things that affect you. And in the same way as we think about divine healing, we need to think about it in the same way because all sicknesses aren't the same with respect to God addressing it. Why do I say that? Because some people are sick as a primary issue, and some people are sick because of a secondary or tertiary issue. That is to say that some people, their sickness is a consequence of their life just not be, being in disarray. It's one of any number of things that's falling apart in their life. Their finances may be going away. Their relationships may not going, be going well. Then, they, then they're getting sick on top of that, and it's a multitude of things sometimes. And you're, you trying to isolate the sickness doesn't get to the root of what's really wrong with your life. 
Have you met people like that? It just seemed like everything's falling apart. That has to do with some foundational things in their life, less so the specific illness because their finances ain't right, their relationships aren't right, they're stressed out, and everything's just snowballing. We also know in a more practical way, say, for example, you can have stress in your life that can inflict sickness on you, right? And if you don't deal with the stress, you may even get supernaturally healed, but it'll come back. And of course, as we have documented in Scripture, there are some illnesses that are animated by a demonic presence. And you see in the Scripture, Jesus cast, in some cases, casting out the spirit of infirmity. Now, just because you're sick doesn't mean you have a demon in your life. That's not most people, but that can be a source of sickness and disease. Now, in a theological sense, holistic is characterized by the multifaceted nature of the human experience on an individual level, which can be summarized as the spiritual, the psychological, and the physical. Paul alludes to this in one of his letters to the church in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. He says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is where many, certainly, word of faith preachers highlight this passage to talk about the tripartite person, right? So they see three aspects of the human condition, the spirit, the soul, and the body. Now, As we talked about last week, there are some traditions of Christian thought that say there's just a soul and a body, right? And your soul is the spiritual side of you and your body is the physical part of you. And they don't really get into the mind aspect of it. Well, here, this is a a, a trichotomous perspective, which says, wait a minute, there's a spiritual side, there's a physical side, and then there's a mental side, right? And the soul here would represent mind, will, and emotions. Now, I know that the way the word soul is used throughout the entirety of the Bible, sometimes it's confusing because it would appear as if the soul sometimes is being used as a spiritual aspect. And so there's debates among theologians about whether it's spiritual or mental, what have you. But I'm not going to harp on that. What, what you might agree with me on, regardless of the terms, is that there is a spiritual side of you. There is a physical side of you. There is a mental, emotional side of you that needs to be addressed. So here are some key ideas with respect to being holistic. Number one, we must look at our healing holistically. Holistically. We must consider everything that's going in our lives. We must consider all the ways in which we're present in the world as we think about our physical healing because our physical ailments in our body can be impacted by so many things, some of which are physical and some of which are not. But even when they're physical, sometimes they can be impacted by a, a Uh, Sometimes we need to have a holistic perspective on them. But here is the other dimension we didn't get into last week, and that is we must see the healer holistically, right? So you must see healing, you must see healing holistically, but you also must see the healer holistically. And who is the healer? It's Jesus. It's very important, and over the weeks to come, we're going to unpack this. We've got to see Jesus as Lord. Jesus as Savior, Jesus as healer, Jesus as creator. All of these things are interrelated. And I think sometimes when people approach Jesus as a healer, they don't bring together the fact that he's also Lord, that he's also creator, that he's also Savior, and that he is just as easily one as he is the other. 
And sometimes if we separate the healer in Jesus from the Savior in Jesus, we are missing the entirety of what Jesus is to us. In fact, I'm just going to briefly talk about just this reference here, John 1, 1 through 3. You see, the, uh, you see John, uh, the, the apostle, is, uh, is, 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 has this revelation that this Jesus that he is, has spent time with physically is actually God himself. Look at this. In John 1, 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In other words, he has the revelation that Jesus is the creator of the universe. And here's the thing. How can you stand in the presence of Jesus as Lord, as creator, as Savior, and think to yourself, he couldn't heal me. Think to yourself, he wouldn't heal me. That actually doesn't make sense, does it? To imagine the enormity of his person to be smaller than your illness. That just doesn't make sense. And as we're going to see in Scripture, people who got a revelation of who Jesus is, it was easy for them to pursue him for healing. Because he wasn't just a man. He's creator. And the very organ that's given you problems is an organ that Jesus created. Let's get into this some more. So these three, I actually mentioned four, these four attributes of Jesus are interrelated as I talked about. The ease with which we see him as one is the ease with which we should see him as the other. Okay? Now, this is, this is very, very, very important, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to emphasize this so much, that the, the, the key to healing is to see Jesus. Jesus is the, Jesus is where healing begins. Jesus is where healing ends. And the Bible talks about Jesus being the author and the finisher of our faith. We have to keep the focus on Jesus. I actually think that this is where, when you see prosperity, uh, God, the prosperity gospel go awry, to me, I think it's precisely at the place where we lose the focus on Jesus. Jesus is the point of Scripture. Jesus is the source of healing. Jesus is the creator. Jesus. Now, I bring this up because Jesus, after his resurrection, He's having a conversation with a couple of people who don't know that he's been resurrected, and, he's, and, 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 and they're talking to him, and Jesus is talking to these men in the book of Luke, and, and, and the, the Luke describes, and they don't know it's him, and he's, Jesus is, is talking as if he doesn't know what happened. And they're saying to this Jesus, they, Jesus well, they don't know he's Jesus. They're saying, how, you've, been, you've been living in this area and you don't know what's been going on? Jesus died on the cross and they were telling, him all the, they were telling Jesus about all the commotion that's been going on after his death. How can you not understand this? And so what happens is as they're talking, Jesus begins to have a conversation with them and he opens up the scripture. And he begins to unpack the Old Testament and he shows them that the Old Testament was really about Jesus. 
right? In fact, if you look at, uh, in fact, all the promises, principles, and prophecies of Scripture culminate in Jesus. And this is what he brings out in the book of Luke. In Luke 24, 27, he says this, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the Scriptures, the things concerning himself. Did you know that Jesus is the point of Scripture? Every book in the Bible, its, its, its main idea is pointing to Jesus. And Jesus had, was compassionate enough to show them that as they were walking. And then the, the Scripture says that shortly after he explained that he disappeared. But again, I bring this up because Jesus is the focal point of Scripture. Why else is this important? Because if you look in certain parts of the Old Testament, and this is where we get a little bit into the prosperity doctrine, right? You have the Jewish people and you have prosperity that is written in their laws. And we're going to read a little bit of that, okay? We have prosperity written in their laws, right? And what the word of faith doctrine says is that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those promises and prophecies and that all the things you used to do by being obedient to the law, you now have by having faith in Jesus. All the things the law promised you that it would give you if you were obedient are now available to you if you simply have faith in Jesus. In fact, the whole time, it's only ever been about Jesus. In some of the later sermons during this uh, series, I'll be showing you that there were people in the Bible who even before Jesus was born actually had faith in Jesus. They could see, they didn't know him as Jesus, but they can see the promised one in their law. It was, it was Abraham, the Bible talks about, who had faith. And the Bible says that, be, that, that the gospel was preached to him beforehand. In other words, in the Old Testament, he could see that the significance of him having Isaac wasn't about Isaac, but was about Jesus. And it was that faith that said that where God said to Abraham, you are now righteous. Now, let's look at some of this Old Testament law where these prosperity laws are written in the Old Testament. And as we're going to see, they're all fulfilled in Jesus, which is why when people say, when we're, if we have time today, we'll talk about the woman with the issue of blood. But why was she able to go to Jesus? And she's saying to herself, if, if, herself, if I just touch the hem of his garment, if I just touch the hem of his garment, how does she know that? No one told her that. Why? She had a revelation of Jesus. She was like, wait a minute, the fulfillment of all of these laws is fulfilled in Jesus. And if I can get to Jesus, I can access the promises of the law. Let's look at this. God writes prosperity into the laws that govern Abraham's biological children. Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14. Look at this. It says, if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these nations shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Verse 3, blessed shall you be in the city, blessed shall you be in the field, blessed shall you be in the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Verse 5, blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. 
Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. And if you've grown up in my uh, community with the Word of Faith community, you're familiar with this because people would say these things all the time. They would say, hey, the blessings of Abraham, they're mine, and I'm blessed in the city, and I'm blessed in the field. Some of you know that famous Fred Hammond song, Blessed. He is quoting some of these passages. And why are people doing that? Because what they're saying is the blessings that are on the biological children of Abraham are also on the spiritual children of Abraham. Now, my focus today is not on all of those things. It's really on healing. I'm just giving you the principles that people draw from to access healing in the New Testament. Verse 6, blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Verse 7, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Let's continue. Verse 8, the Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake, and he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God has given you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself, as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord, remember, in the Old Testament, all of this blessing is based on obedience to the law. Right? But the difference is that when Jesus comes, it's no longer by works, it's by faith. I no longer have to, certainly we should be obedient because we love God, yes, but it's not a requirement to receive the, we're not earning the blessing. In the law, you had to earn the blessing. But under the Spirit, you simply have to have faith in Jesus because he is the blessing. Jesus is the blessing. Let's continue. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself. In verse 9, as he sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, and all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called in the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. Verse 11, I'm reading from the ESV, but it's giving me the word here. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity. The Lord will make you abound in prosperity. Now listen. These are promises to the biological children of Abraham, and certainly there are theological debates that say, hey, well, that just applies to Jewish folks. That doesn't apply to people who aren't Jewish. Well, we'll get into that, because when you see instances in Scripture, you know, as, we, as I've talked about before, and Jesus was very clear about this, his earthly ministry was focused on Jewish folks. But you see instances where people who weren't Jewish, they said, they came to him and they sought to be healed, on behalf of, of one of their, in, in, in both instances, it was on behalf of a loved one, right? And Jesus healed them, and his remark to them was like, he, he remarked on how great their faith was. Because they refused to believe that healing was just for Jewish folks. That the laws of blessing and prosperity were just for Jewish folks. They determined to believe it's for me too. Why? Because they could see the revelation that this is the creator of the universe. This is not just a man. This is God himself. And when they got that revelation, they could receive from Jesus. Let's continue. Verse 11, and the Lord will make you abound in prosperity and the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your livestock and in the fruit of your ground within the hand, within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. And I can keep on and I can keep on, right? Talks about the head being, uh, let me quote this one because this is a common one. Verse 13, right? 
Let me just continue. Verse 12, and the Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Verse 13, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you shall go only up and not down if you obey the commandments. The King James says, above and not beneath. Some of you know these passages. You've heard them growing up and you just kind of quote them as cliches. But this is the scripture where they come from. They were promises to, to the Jewish people. Okay, but check this out. David provides a distilled version of these promises in Psalms 103. Some of us don't even recognize it because we just sing the first part of it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. David continues talking about the blessings of the Lord. Psalms 103, 1 through 5. What does it say? Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now, we're willing to, many people are willing to claim that. Yeah, David said it, I'm going to say that. But what many other people don't claim are the next part of the psalm. He says, verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. (laughs) What are the benefits? Who forgives all of your iniquity? And what, guess what else? Who heals all your diseases? Now, question, is that for Jewish people or for all people? Is that for Jewish people or for all people? See, we'll sing the first part, claiming it. But my question is, how are you cutting off the psalm and say, this part applies to me, this other part doesn't? Guess what? Verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good. It's a distilled expression of the promises of God. Now, I passed up a scripture going to the psalm. I want to go back to it, actually, in Exodus 15, 26. It's God-specific about healing here. Uh, It says, verse 26, it's saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. What does it say? I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. When he says that, he is saying his name. In the Hebrew, who's saying, I'm Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. It's in his name. How are you going to tell the God that's not your name? When you tell the Lord, you don't heal today, you're saying, God, that's not your name. And God's saying, it is my name. It is my name. I'm Jehovah Rapha. Exodus 23, 25 to 26. What else does he say? He's talking about healing. He says, you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. And guess what? And I will take sickness away from you. Verse 26, none shall miscarry or be barren in your land, and I will fulfill the number of your days. His name is healing, literally. So how is he not a healer now? Did he change his name? Did God change his name when the New Testament came around? Did God change his name when the last apostle died? He got many of them. El Shaddai. Jehovah Sid Canoe, our righteousness, he didn't change his name. We changed our belief. God didn't change his name. Folks changing their beliefs 
and you coming to him as Jehovah Sitkanu, my righteousness, but ignoring him as Jehovah Rapha, my healer. He's the same God. And what we see in the New Testament is that all of these blessings and all of these promises culminate in the person of Jesus. You may not remember all those other names, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Sikhanu. All you got to know is Jesus. If I can get to Jesus, the woman of the issue of the blood, she said, if I can get to Jesus. If I can get to Jesus, that's the name you got to know. If you know that name, you got the righteousness, you got the healing, you got the protection. If I can get to Jesus, who told her she could do that? Who told her she can touch his clothes? Don't you think that's a little forward, young lady? Touching somebody's clothes, pulling it. Who, who told you you can do that? And besides, the law says you bleeding, you can't be in public. Who told her she can do that? All she knew is that Jesus, get out my way, that's Jesus, get out my way. How about blind Bartimaeus? They told the man to be quiet. But he heard that Jesus was passing through, and they told him to be quiet, and he cried all the more louder, Jesus, have mercy on me. Because even though he couldn't see, he could see. He could see that Jesus was a healer. And we, when we get a revelation of who Jesus is, he will heal you too. Now, we're going to get into the particulars, yes. We're going to get into the particulars. There's a lot of particulars. But it begins with a basic belief that that man, Jesus, he's Lord. He's creator. He's savior. And guess what? He's healer. He's healer. The doctrine of divine healing begins with Jesus. Begins with Jesus. If you want healing from God, focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Oh, there's some, there's some details I want to get into today. I'm going to save them for next week. We're going to get into the New Testament. We're going to look at this woman with the issue of blood. We're going to look at uh, this woman and God, you know, Jesus was telling her, ought not this woman to be healed, who Satan has bound all these 18 years? Being a daughter of Abraham, ought not, ought not. We'll get into that next week. But right now, we're going to focus on Jesus. Folks, he's, he's all these things we need. He's our healer. But as I said, he's also our savior. He's our savior. And I got news for you. you know, do you know why people are so um, emotional about the election and its outcome and who they're voting for? You know why? Because for many people, this is all they've got. Their only, their only hope is if something happens on earth that saves them. And if they don't get the president they want, they don't know what they're going to do. But see, uh, this world is passing away. It, it, it's temporary. 
it's not going it, to, it, 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 it's, it's decaying. And Jesus entered human history as a human being. He's, Jesus is God, but he came as a human being. Entered into human history and made this declaration. I'm the one you're looking for. I'm the one you're looking for. I am king of a kingdom that will settle all of this. All of it. This group fighting this group, this issue over here, some people have, some people do, all that kind of stuff. My kingdom settles all of it. But check it out. All you got to do is submit to me. Follow me. Now listen, here's the reality. When we're born, we are born enemies of the state. We inherited the sin of our forefather and foremother, Adam and Eve. And their sin was passed on to us. Even though we didn't do what they did precisely, we've inherited their status. And Jesus, the king of his kingdom, says, I I pardon you. I pardon you. I'm going to pay the debt for your sin by being punished for what you did. And because of that, I now pardon you. And all you have to do now is accept the terms of his pardon. He's done it already. You can't be good enough to be righteous before God. Jesus says, I'm going to give righteousness to you as a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. All you need to do is believe in me. Folks, we've had an election result, but it's still a divided country. And Jesus is saying this to everyone. He's saying, hey, 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 hey. Look at me. Look at me. Jesus is saying, I'm Lord. And in me, you'll have peace. In me, you'll have joy. Regardless of the outcome, regardless of who's president now, regardless of who's going to be president four years from now, it's in me you'll find peace, Jesus says. And if that's you today, Perhaps you're a person who has never come to faith. Perhaps you've, however your life has gone, you've never been a person who has made a a commitment to follow Jesus, and you're hearing this invitation, and you're compelled to say yes to it. I'm talking to you. But I'm also talking to people, maybe you've grown up in the church, and it's just sort of been something you've been doing because your family and friends have done it. I I, I know about that. People who they've just grown up in a Christian family. And and your spiritual momentum is based on everybody else's, but you really don't have your own commitment to Jesus. You you haven't actually formally committed to him, and you want to do that today. So in either case, if you're coming to faith for the first time or if you've been around a Christian community, but you've never actually taken Jesus as seriously as you know you need to today, I'm talking to you as well. If that's you, will you pray with me? I'm going to give you the words, but... They'll be spoken from your heart. And when those words that you repeat after me with come with a heart that's submitted to Jesus, 
something transformational is going to happen to you. And though we're not physically with each other, the Holy Spirit is going to do something powerful in your life. So let's pray. Dear God, I come to you now and I submit to Jesus. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's my creator. He's my healer. And I submit to him now. God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He shed his blood. He was buried. And he was resurrected. And when he was resurrected, he made it possible for me to live a righteous life. So I submit to Jesus. And God, in my submission to Jesus, will you fill me with your spirit? Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your sanctifying power, with all of its gifts, all the wisdom, and all the resources I need to live a righteous life. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer for the first time or for the first time and meant it, what we'd like for you to do is to text Zoe saved to the number on your screen. And it's so that we can follow up with you. This is an amazing moment, and we want to make sure you have all the support you need to continue in your journey in faith with the Lord. We're excited to be in touch with you and to celebrate with you about this new phase of your spiritual walk with God. It's been a blessing to stand before you today and to share the God's word. And I trust that the Holy Spirit will continue to speak to your heart regarding all the ways in which he wants to bless you. But until next week, I'll see you. And grace and peace. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. God bless.